0: Are we all ready? Everybody's sitting comfortably? Yes. Then I'll begin. Hello everyone, this is Colin Schindler, along with John Holmes and Patrick Barclay, welcoming you back to another edition of Football Ruin My Life. Now, there's an idiom that states, I am not my brother's keeper, and I always thought Whenever I saw Casper and Peter Schmeigel together, even though, as you have immediately spotted, it doesn't quite work because they were father and son and not brothers. Mm. And the same could be said of Roy and Gary Bailey of Ipswich Town on some team in the northwest of England, respectively. The recent death of Bobby Charlton caused all of us to recall the remarkable fact of two brothers playing together and winning the World Cup together. I was fortunate enough to be asked by Mike Somerby to write his biography, a decision made easier by the fact that both his son Nicky and his father George also play professional football. And then there's the Redknaps and the Lampards and the Greys of Leeds United, and who could possibly forget the Hibbett brothers of Wolves and Newcastle. Paddy, who comes to mind when you think about footballing siblings?
1: Well, I'll start off with my brother's keeper, which was Peter and Ron Springett. Brothers and keepers.
0: Yes, that does work, doesn't it? Silly me. That actually
1: works. (laughs) Yes, And I'm sure there might be others, I don't know. But, um, yeah, what was the question? Because I was so busy thinking up my smart hours. Well,
0: when I say the word footballing siblings, and I include parent, child, as well as brothers, who comes to mind? Although you told me, the spring has come to mind. Who do I think of? Well, I don't know
1: why, but I think of perhaps not the greatest example, but Brian and Nigel. Love. Oh, yes. Very, very different players because Nigel's pace was all between his ears, and his dad was apparently very, very quick and a great goal scorer. Whereas Nigel, though he could score a goal, was, I think, at his best just off the front, threading in the little balls, Beardsley style. So I think of them, but. You know, there are thousands of others and we're going to have a lot of fun today. I think.
0: Uh, John, the geneticism of it all. I mean, there are enough of them around to suggest that somehow it's an inherited gene. Do you accept that?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. The one that comes to mind, which is a bit of a bizarre one, was John and Dave Hollings. John, of course, played for England as a midfield player. And his brother, Dave, was a goalkeeper and played for Wales. Dave was born in Wales. Another example of this sort of dual nationality that came up was Joe and Jerry Baker, wasn't it? They were both actually forwards. One of them was born in US, one was born in England, even though they both called themselves Scottish, I suspect. I suppose the most famous sporting brothers of all to have played football for England are the Compton brothers. Did Leslie play for England? I have a feeling he played a wartime international, though I may be wrong. Yeah. I think yeah. Dennis only played wartime international football as well. But yeah. there were the Robledo brothers who were quite interesting, who came from South America, played for, I think, Mansfield and Newcastle in the early 50s. And Barnsley, famously Barnsley. Barnsley, was, when, was it? Yeah. Yeah. The Greenoffs of recent memory, both playing for Manchester United, I think, simultaneously yes. won dashing midfield player, the other a terrific striker. The Hibbit brothers, yes, one at Wolves and one at uh, Kenny is still alive, but as I understand it, Terry died some time ago. Terry was a uh, number 10, number 11 for Leeds in the early days, then went on to
0: Newcastle. Interesting, the Welsh seem to have quite a lot. I think of the old Church brothers, I think of the Charles brothers. Yes. You know, they're never mentioned these days, which is to an extent. Ivor Oldchurch in my imagination, Paddy being the senior fellow here, might know better. I always thought Ivor Oldchurch was an exceptionally gifted inside forward because he was Welsh, yeah. never really received his due reward.
1: That's my recollection, although, you know, I was very young and I never saw him in the flesh, but I could certainly imagine him. And I agree with you. I I mean, old Church was, correct me if I'm wrong, but he would have been in the Great Wales team of 58, which did so well in the World Cup.
2: Len was his brother, was a winger.
1: Whereas Ivor was a a guy who could craft a real technical wizard. Yeah. But it's a good idea. I mean, Len was no mug. Len must have played for Wales a few times.
2: There were also the Rowley brothers, both good goal scorers. And both with thunderous shots. So
1: there was something in the genetics that made them hit the ball as if they were Peter Lorimer, who I don't think had a brother. But there's another set of brothers that get overlooked because one was unable to fulfil himself due to tragedy, and that's the Blanchflower brothers.
0: Oh, yes, of course. Jackie Blanchflower
1: was one of the young men whose career was cut short. He wasn't killed, but he was so badly injured that he never played
0: again. You didn't say at the Munich air, I think we have to explain it's at the Munich air crash. Sorry, I beg your pardon. At the Munich air crash of February 1958,
1: he was a wonderful player because he could play centre-half midfield and he was a footballing centre-half. He was a bit like the player that, I suppose, when I first saw Harry Maguire at Sheffield United, I thought he might be a footballer who just happened to play centre-half. Jackie Blanchflower was very much like that. And Danny, of course, was the great captain and architect of the Truly great Spurs double team of 1961. There were
2: also the Frogatt brothers. Were they not Redfern and, and Jack? Jack, who played as a centre back and half actually, and as a left winger, which is a bizarre mixture there. But he managed to do that. There did seem to be more in that age than there are now. At Leicester, at one stage, we had three Riley brothers: Howard mm-hmm. Riley and his two younger brothers, one of whom called Bob, the other one I can't remember. And Colin Appleton also had a brother who played for the club. I suppose mm. in that respect it happened. But before the war, there were, you know, the Melbournes, there were an enormous number of Melbourne's playing who were brothers. Jackie, Jackie's brother Stan, wasn't it? Who played for ages and ages.
0: And the mother of the Charlton's, her sister yes. she apparently was a marvellous player. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she was a good coach, obviously. A good very coach. good coach, yes. I also recall if you go abroad, didn't Uwe Zila have a brother who played as yeah, well? Yeah, I
1: think he did. But if you go abroad, you find a top-class player who had two sons who ended up playing top-class football as well, including in the Premier League. And by that, I mean Abdi Pelé. Whose sons Andre Ayou and the other one play
2: in England. Jordan Ayu, is it? Jordan. Jordan mm-hmm. and Andre Ayu. Yeah. They are the sons of Abdi Pele. There were two Van der Kirchhoffs in the great Dutch side. Rennie and Villy. Yeah. Which father and son
1: were truly great. One was one of the all-time greats of Italian football. And oh, one Maldini. Maldini Pere Fis. Maldini's father, Cesare, Cesare won the Champions League in '63 at Wembley Stadium when Milan beat Benfica, I think, and was a great player and later manager of
2: Italy, or certainly the under 21 Yes, he was. He
0: was the chain-smoking manager of Italy, always had a fag in his mouth.
2: And I believe, of course, that Matzola, Sandro Matzola, his father, died in the Superga aircraft crash. That's right.
1: That's right.
2: And of course, obviously, I
1: missed out anybody doesn't know, Cesare Meldini's San Paolo, was arguably the best left back of all time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I always find it more problematic when they're brothers rather than father-son, but there is always a sense which one of them is inevitably going to be better than the other one. Mm -hmm. And you always wonder how they get on with each other, given the fact that one of them, I mean, it seemed that all the skill went to Bobby and Jack was a, you know, workman-like centre-half who got slightly lucky because he was exactly what, Alf was looking for at that time to shore up the centre of defence. Mm-hmm. But Bobby was a world-class player. But I don't think there was any sense emanating from Jack that he resented the fact that Bobby had you know, 98% of the skill allotted to the family and he had the 2%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. were, they were very good to each other in that sense. Yeah. Well, they
2: were, although, of course, we've talked about this, they never really had much connection in later life. And indeed, became Focus of a lot of speculation and press that they'd fallen out rather, which always seemed rather tragic. Mm. But they said that the relationship started out. Jack would go off shooting and fishing and poaching, and Bobby was interested in playing football. Yeah, uh, they were very, very different characters, weren't they? Yes. I think
0: there's a story about lovely story about United playing Leeds and Leeds having beaten them, I think possibly in one of those semi-finals that went on forever in the mid-60s. It was the time when Jack was first picked for England, and he'd just been told, and he went into the United dressing room after Leeds had beaten them 1-0, and told Bobby that he'd been picked for England, he'd see him at Wembley, whatever. And Bobby was alleged to have retorted, that's very nice, Jack, I'm very pleased for you. Now, for God's sake, fuck off out of the dressing room. <laughs>
1: Could well have been. I'm amazed that we've got this far without mentioning... I remember I read once that the most common surname in English football in those days was Clark. There were more mm. Clarks than anything else. And, of course, one of the great footballing families was the family of which Alan Sniffer Clark was yes. a member. Mm. Wayne. Now, Wayne won a an English title, didn't he, with... Um, he was at Everton, wasn't
0: he?
2: At, at Everton, I'm sure he, he won win a title with Everton, I thought.
0: The was...
1: season after Gary Lineker left, a very poor side, Everton side, won the title in 1987. Ah, right. And I think Wayne might have been, you know, along with Inchi... Um, Inchi Heath, yes. Inchi mm. Heath and people like that. Grandsharp, a... yeah. Yes, it was a, a, they were good players, but not...
2: And there were not... the Morgan twins, who famously played... Roger. ...left and, and right wing for... QPR, QBR. and then both went to Spurs, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: also amazed that we got this far without mentioning the surname Allen, a Oh,
0: yes, of course.
1: Which would include... Les, Clive... And Paul, Paul, who became the youngest player to be brought down by Willie Young in a cup <laughs> final. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And whose dad won the double in that famous Spurs side? Yes.
1: His name was Les. And, and, and he and fouled Len Chalmers to get oh, him. Was oh, was it him? Did he did, it? Oh,
2: right. It, it was, like, yeah. God, yeah. You mentioned that in a previous episode, yeah. yeah I so may I have think. done it. Yeah. You'll never <laughs> let that one go, will you? Yeah. We'll get to the subject of Dundee and <laughs> Erste FC Kern very shortly, of course. <laughs> Which, incidentally, you may... Uh, this is a complete aside, but for those who watch television or watch on streaming... Irving Welsh, the novelist wrote, Crime, which has been televised recently. And the first series, one of the crucial events of The Detective, played wonderfully by Dougray Scott, centers on Dundee destroying Hart's dream of winning the title, oh, two um, goals in the last seven minutes. Albert Kidd yes. scored them, and Hearts. Hart's... Which, which year was this? 86,
1: maybe, something like that. Yeah, I
2: mean. it was featured in the series. That apparently ruined his life. He always remembered that, the detective,
0: yeah. I think it's always rather sad when the father-son... It's difficult enough with brothers, but worse with father-son. One of the the books I wrote was about the Summerby family. The grandfather or father played very few games but was a professional footballer in the 30s. But then Mike becomes a star in the 60s and 70s and his son follows exactly the same path. He starts at Swindon and goes to Manchester City. Now, Mike happened to arrive at the same time as Francis Lee and Colin Bell, and it rather made a bit of a difference. Whereas Nicky, the son, arrived at the same time as a lot of players that nobody's ever heard of and was in a poor side. And the fact remains that he got the wrath of the crowd. I'm afraid I do think rather unfairly because you'll never be as good as your father was Mm. what they always said. Well, it's not his fault, really. He was being Mm. blamed, in a sense, for the weaknesses of others. But it must be difficult for sons who can't live up to their fathers. If they succeed them, like the Haaland, you know, Alfinger Haaland and Erling Haaland, that's Mm. fine. I think Frank Lampard, uh, Frank Jr. was probably a better player than Frank Lampard Sr. Oh,
2: oh, much, yeah. That was all cited to me, the Lampards, as an example of the sort of natural improvement of the species in terms of looks between (laughs) Frank and his son. Of course there's another we've got a contemporary case of this with Bellingham, whose brother also went to Birmingham, then went to Sunderland. Now Jude Bellingham looks like he's going to be absolutely terrific. Could be one of the all-time greats. His brother's not quite there yet. And that will be interesting to see how that relationship develops. He will inevitably be living in the shadows. I remember one moment of high lunacy at Leicester when Lineker was doing particularly well at Barcelona and his brother, Wayne, was scoring lots of goals in local football. And the secretary at Leicester, Alan Bennett, actually spoke to me and said, I think we'd be mad not to sign him, John. It would look foolish if he went somewhere and did really well. (laughs) Uh, I mean, fortunately, they didn't pursue that.
0: Well, to keep Leicester on top of the agenda, did you ever talk to Kasper Schmeichel about his father and the comparison between the two? Because they were both very, very good goalkeepers, weren't they?
2: Both were very good goalkeepers. It was believed they didn't get on particularly well later on and because of his father's divorce, they became a little bit estranged. And the other players told me that Kasper didn't talk much about his father. His father came and watched him a lot at Leicester, but there was no sense that they were particularly close I mean that's interesting You've got the other example if you go to cricket Stuart Broad and his father Chris who yeah. was the parents were divorced at an early age and he, Stuart was brought up 95% by his mother and always attributes a lot of his success to his mother although he's and his father are now get on pretty well. Mm, good I'd like to go back
1: to the Mancunian theme for, for Colin in a moment but uh, first of all Johan Cruyff and of course he had a son who got nowhere near to living up to his Jordi Cruyff and by the way Jordi Cruyff was one of the nastiest little shits I met when I was <laughs> a football journalist and I often wonder it, it. oh do tell us Paddy why have you come to that conclusion well Deportivo Alaves got to the final against Liverpool when Gerard Houllier was manager of Liverpool so I went over to Vittoria Geiste's which is the town where Alaves play. And I was welcomed by the club. I remember there was a wonderful manager, a little guy who'd been around a while, and he couldn't have been more friendly. But whatever I wanted, I could have, you know. So I said, well, I'd like to interview Jordi Cruyff, please. He said, go and speak to my agent. I said, I haven't got time. Cut a long story short. He was very surly. And it was all I could do to stop myself from saying, well, your dad had more talent in his toenails (laughs) than you've ever had. And running away again before he could hit me, he, had, he was actually carrying us a, a snooker cue at the time. They we were playing pool in the recreation room at Alaves' football ground, and I did genuinely wonder if he had a chip on his shoulder about not being his dad, because Jody was very, very quick and made a career out of it. But anyway, that's one. But going back to Manchester, there was a son who actually outshone his father, in my opinion. Though Colin, you'll correct me if I say that Peter, in yes. his early career, Peter yes. Barnes. Sean yes. Ken, who although Ken yes. played in the cup, famous cup final, the Troutman Cup yeah. final, I think, didn't he, Ken Barnes? Yeah,
0: well, the point about Ken Barnes was it was a much less showy position that he played. He played Way the not. right half link between Bert Troutman and Don Revy, and he was the link for the yeah. Revy plan. Yeah. But it was a very workmanlike position. He was a workmanlike player. Mm. Peter was a dazzling outside left, outside right, with dazzling footwork and an yeah. eye for a goal. And, and pace. Very, very quick. Yeah. And, yeah. and who loved City, who had grown up as part of the club because his dad was there, and who Malcolm Allison, in his second coming, mm. decided to transfer to West Bromwich Albion, at which point he disappeared off the face of the earth.
2: He went to Real Betis in Spain, didn't he? Yes. He did.
0: Yes, I think he did.
2: Yeah. I can't believe that no one has made any mention of the Codder brothers who played for Watford. Jack and Edwin. Now, Edwin, he was very talented, Edwin was, you know. And his career was ruined by criminal convictions. I'm not quite sure what. But... No, no, come on. This is not fair
1: to football ruined by life, listeners, because I'll just explain. And I'm sorry about this. You probably think John's finally gone off his head this time. But the reason for this is that Paul Cobrak, our producer, who's terribly self-effacing, refuses even to take a Hitchcockian cameo role in this podcast, has written about the Kotha brothers, Jack and Edwin, because Paul is a Watford fanatic, and Jack and Edwin Kotha lads of Asian descent, according to Paul's super lift from Google. Jack was the first Watford player to reach a century of appearances. He went on to make 130. His debut, ah, this is why Paul's worked it in, was the first ever game the Hornets played as Watford FC, And they beat Wickham Wanderers 15-0. And this was in September 1898. Great stuff, Paul, but that's enough. Let's get back to Manchester. And Football Ruined My Life, as you know, observes government broadcasting standards of balance. So after Ken and Peter Barnes of Manchester City, I'd like to mention the even more spectacular case of John and John Aston.
0: Yes. John
1: Senior played in the 48 team that took part in the classic 1948 FA Cup final in which they beat Blackpool 4-2 for Manchester United. And then John Aston actually outshone his fellow winger, George Best, in the 1968 European Cup final in which Manchester United became, and it was man of the match, in which Manchester United became the first English club to become champions of Europe.
0: It was the best game he ever played, you know. I
1: mean, the crowd used to get on his back most of the time. He played well in the and semi. he ended
0: up going to Luton, didn't he? He mm. went to Luton yeah, But that
1: was because he broke his leg in a Manchester derby early in the following season. And that set his career back. He went on and did reasonably well at Luton. But as you say, the star that was born at Wembley that sweaty night. He
0: did play outstandingly well. But somehow some players do have this... Terrible ability to attract the ire of the crowd. He did. I don't know why,
1: because he was bred into the club, like Peter Barnes, and he was a good player. You say he had the game of his life, and that's absolutely true at Wembley against Benfica. But he'd also done very well in the semi against Real Madrid. did very well in the home leg, where they finally overcame their nemeses.
0: Well, they beat them 1-0, but the, actually the draw 3-3 at the Bernabeu was a greater achievement. Frankly, where, where the match, they were 3-1 down, weren't where, they? Where the one?
1: match-winning striker was lumbering Bill Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. I can remember Johnny Aston Jr., because I spoke to him in connection with the book project. He said, of all the players yeah. I've ever played with in my career who are less wanted to be on the end of that pass from it was bestie. Rolled it infield. There's a great chance that they thought, Oh, Jesus, not Bill, not Bill. <laughs> and he sidefoots it away like he's Lineker and Ian Rush rolled into one. And the
0: first time he'd ever appeared in the opposition penalty area. Yeah,
2: absolutely, but he kept his nerve and stroked it in. Yeah? They're also going back in history, one of Leicester's most famous players, a fellow called Sepp Smith. Oh, yeah. He was called Septimus because he was the seventh brother. Oh, yeah. And he came to Leicester having played a trial game at Northampton, I am looking this up of course, where his brother Joe played, his elder brother Tom came with him, and then he played for Leicester in a semi-final of the cup against Portsmouth, where his brothers Jack and Willie played. Mm -hmm. Now two of those brothers were internationals. So there's all together, one, two, three, four, five, six brothers out of seven, playing professional footballers there, which must be a record, I would say.
0: Well, carrying on the theme of the son being better than the father, you know, I think the same could be said of of Jamie and Harry Redknapp, don't you think?
2: Oh, Jamie was a much better player than his father. His father was a winger, an OK winger. It wasn't bad. But never, I would say, got near international standard. Whereas Jamie, I used to think, would have played a lot of Ringer, but... Injuries and so on. He never he really had wonderful touch, Jamie, and looked a really good player. Oh lovely he, technique. When he was younger. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Harry was different winger, but definitely better. Any other where the sun comfortably outshines the father. Well there must be millions when we've never heard of the father. Yeah. But I found when I was a journalist you interview players and you say, Well, who were your early influences? And they say, Oh my dad You know, say if he's a Merseyside, Oh my dad played for Marine, you'll never have heard of him, but he was really good. Yeah. And so a lot of times the players, they don't come to public notice, but they were tidy players and they helped their son. And of course,
2: in the previous generations, especially ones after the war, a lot of fathers of players, their careers were destroyed by the war. They never went back into football. Yeah.
0: As far as those siblings are concerned, is it nature or nurture? Or is
1: it the fact that they're exposed to good habits from an early age? You know, learn to kick with your other foot, you know, that kind of thing. If your dad was a semi-pro or something like that, you're exposed to really the best kind of coaching. So what is it?
0: Well, I think being brought up in the environment of professional football, it means it's not starry-eyed. You kind of see it and you're expected to be on that conveyor belt in a way. That's what the expectation is. It's very different coming from the outside at the age of 10, 11, 12, 13. What about Stanley Matthews? whose son
2: became Britain's number one tennis player. Yes, he did. That's a very unusual combination there, isn't it?
0: Well, both of them went through the same thing. I mean, Ian Botham's son, Liam, was a very, very talented cricketer, but didn't want to compete with his father and ended up playing rugby, as I remember. Yeah, that's right. And it can
2: definitely put you off. I always think it's very, very difficult if they have a distinctive name yeah. Such that there aren't many bees about.
0: No. Therefore, he's
2: known. Whereas, yeah. if the name is Smith, or as, yes. you, as yes. we mentioned earlier, Clark, it's not immediately, oh, he's there, you know. Leicester have a player on loan at the moment for Manchester City. His two grandfathers are Mick Doyle and. Glimpardo. Yeah which is extraordinary. You would have thought he ought to be a a real world beater, I certainly hope.
0: (laughs) Well, I have a nostalgic like for him instantly because of his pedigree. Do younger players get on at a club because of nepotism? Because, you know, everyone's sort of expecting them to be as good as their father, so they are given more opportunity?
2: I certainly think there's a problem with managers, managing sons. I would make it a rule that I wouldn't allow A manager to sign his son because I think it can create all sorts of tensions and so on.
0: Well, Ferguson being an example, actually. Ferguson
2: being an example, there was some tension over Nigel Clough, whose actually career was really at Forest. When
0: he went elsewhere, he really didn't achieve. But moment. Brian Clough never referred to him as anything other than the number nine, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. or
1: our centre forwards. Yes. It took a lot to embarrass Brian Clough, but I think he was a little embarrassed by that. Yeah. So it's a good rule, actually, that. Because certainly at Manchester United, it was quite preposterous, really, the number of games Davin Ferguson got in one particular season. And it must have caused trouble in the dressing room.
2: I think it did to some degree. I was told by McElveny that he always felt that that was Lady Ferguson's influence, that she was terribly keen that Darren got into the side. I think the other case was that it cost Nigel Pearson his job at Leicester Mm. when his son, who was not good enough, really, Mm -hmm. as a player, Mm -hmm. was taken on an away tour, well, a celebratory tour, actually, to... Thailand and got into trouble with some prostitutes and so on. As a result of it, Nigel ended up getting the sack. You know, the sins of the son, let alone the father, I'm afraid, which always seemed to me dreadfully unfair. Well,
1: considering you'd done such a
2: good job. Yeah, I do think one has to be aware of that situation. And I always find it strange that football clubs aren't keener on keeping fathers and sons separate because I always used to say if I'm acting for a player yeah I always used to say to the parents listen my job is to be objective and do the best thing for your son you are biased you're entitled to be Mm. biased and you actually should be biased Mm. but that's why you're not actually the best person to advise them Mm. because you will unfortunately have an emotional tie which blinds you to some things that need to be said Sometimes
0: I was very, very sorry for Nicky Summerby when, as I say, he joined City at the worst possible time. The chairman, you see, was Francis Lee. Now, Francis Lee had been Mike Summerby's best friend for ages and ages. And so, obviously, Nicky had known him since the day he was born. And the feeling within the players, and within the club, and within the fans. was that Francis Lee was a disappointing chairman because he hadn't achieved the results that people expected because he'd been such a great player, which Mm. was in itself unfair. But Somerby got himself into a terrible cleft stick where either he sided with the players revolting against the upper management, or he sided with his dad's best friend who'd been Uncle Francis all his life. Very difficult situation. And the best thing he could possibly do was to go to Sunderland and get out of it, which is what he did. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about fathers and sons. We've talked a lot about brothers Is there a female player, is there a sister of a current player or a recent current player who's playing women's football? there is
2: a young lady at Leicester.
0: Ah, of course.
2: By the name of Draper, who is the daughter of Mark Draper. Who played for Villa. And Leicester and Notts County. Yeah. And who in the recent under-17 tournament scored, I think, six goals in three games. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yes, there will be. And there's Rhys James, isn't there? Rhys uh, James' sister yes. playing. Yeah, it's natural, isn't it? Sporty families. I mean, you look at the
1: Neville family, the sister oh, yes, of, the, of the them. Neville's. was a, Is a distinguished sporting person?
0: So does that suggest it's more genetic than environmental? Well, not necessarily,
1: you see, because if the parents believe in sport and encourage sport, it's like academic thing. The, you know, the more encouragement they get, the more... Facilities are made available. So it's terribly difficult to separate the environmental from the genetic and the nurture from the nature. I mean, if Neville Neville, late father of all of them, all three of them, had been a great sportsman, he wouldn't be
0: famous as a dad, would he? Well, why would Neville Neville's parents, given the fact their surname is Neville, call their son Neville without attracting all the approbation you'll get at school for the rest of your life.
1: I know, I was saying
2: this to my daughter, Barclay, this morning. and <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so what about, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the Brightwells. Yes! Yeah. Ah, ah.
0: Well, there's a genetic, that's genetic. That must be, that must be. That's what suddenly came to me.
2: yeah.
0: So we explain to people who are less than 70 years old why we immediately seize on the Brightwells? The father, Robbie Brightwell, was mm-hmm. England's... Great quarter miler
2: in actually. athletics. You only have UK Colin. Mm-hmm. Correction. He ran for GB in the Olympics.
0: Yeah. Anyway, he was a great 400 meter runner. And the mother. Well, the story I'm telling is that Robbie was going to win the gold medal, had been expected to, and in his final, he came third and won the bronze. Mm. And his wife, Ampacher who was not supposed to win anything particular, certainly not the gold medal. There was a French 800-metre runner who was better than she was yeah. and who had taken the lead. But Anne Packer had the energy coming round the last bend. Right. And as she went through the tape, Robbie Brightwell was standing just off the track, about 50 yards further on, and she went straight to him and hurled herself into his arms. It was very affecting. And so yeah. that when their two children, their two boys, David and Ian... Ian become players in the 80s. They'd have been all
2: right, but for a lack of pace. Yeah, we know the story.
0: <laughs> it was, to an extent. They were not that quick, but there was something comforting about seeing a sporting family produce another branch, as it were, yes. Yes. where they both existed so well.
1: There's also Arnie Sidebottom, who started a footballing career with Manchester United as a centre-half, became a cricketer with Yorkshire... Yeah and produced probably a more famous, a much more famous cricketer in Ryan.
0: Yeah.
2: And indeed Bearstow. Bairstow is another
0: good example. Henry Bearstow's father, of course. So it seems to me that if you think about it, all children of professional sportsmen grow up in the environment Of sport. And therefore, it will be a surprise if they weren't being nurtured from a very early age to enjoy sport, certainly to play sport. You can't control the the talent. But then it strikes me that the ones who make it then genetically have, you know, it goes beyond the environment and beyond the nurture. There must be some basic talent somewhere that is just greater than somebody else who had played in the same team as the Mm. father Mm. would have with his children.
1: Well, it's probably straying slightly from the subject, but I was in a talk sports studio once in... <laughs> I'd not place dropping, but it was just off Copacabana Beach in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> and, and there was... <laughs> there was Darren Goff. There were a couple of footballs lying around the studio. He was out there as part of the talk sports team covering the World Cup in Brazil. He went up to one of these footballs and he was making it sing. And I said where'd you get that ability from? I thought you were a cricketer. He said, oh, I could have signed for Barnsley. I didn't ask him if he had a brother, so you'll have to cut this out, Paul.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think if we're going back to this nature versus nurture mm. argument, the answer is we really don't know because the same applies in all sorts of other cases. Bill Shankly always used to... Who say, had a brother? Yeah, Bob shankley yeah. But in terms of signing players... He always met the parents before because he got a good idea. And I, when I was taking on clients, I also found it advantageous to meet the parents. you got very good ideas of the values of the family and so on. It is difficult for some who are kids of really prominent players. They can be completely put off by the prominence of the father and not be turned on to it at all for fear of comparisons. Mm. So it's a difficult thing and it doesn't work in every case. But there can be no doubt, of course, that it does run in certain families. Mm. And we,
1: The Shankly family, I mean, I said he had a brother to get in the fact yeah. that Bob Shankly won the league with Dundee and is the only manager who's ever done so. And he wasn't the manager
2: when they beat Cologne 7-0. Yes, yes,
1: he? 8-1 actually, yeah. And went on to beat Sporting Lisbon and... And, and uh, thank you. Before unluckily <laughs> losing 5 2 on aggregate to Milan, <laughs> Italy. But Shankley actually had, I think, six. There were six Shankley brothers, yes. all of whom made a living out of the game, which is extraordinary. And a couple of whom went on to become club directors uh, after they finished playing. So, who
2: is the greatest family of all then? The Milburns, mm. the Shankleys, the Clarks. Yeah. All of those families, those dynasties, as it were, mm. have great claim to have produced over generations and uh, numbers of brothers.
1: But, I mean, the thing about the Shankley ones, it, it was more uh, mass production. They produced lots of players, none of whom were as great as John Charles, who was an all-time great.
0: And who had a brother called Mel Charles. And who had a brother
1: called Mel. And Alan Clark was probably a better player than any of the Shankly brothers. Mm. But in terms of numbers, the Shankleys would be up there with the very best, yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: Justin Fashionu and John Fashionu were brothers. Well, that's
1: an amazing thing, because it can't have been... Well, maybe it was genetic, but they were brought up by foster parents, weren't they? Well,
0: that's what I'm about to say. Yeah. It had to be genetic because there wasn't the sense of the environment mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. talked about, but mm-hmm. they both ended up where they ended up.
1: But probably, I mean, I'd like to apologise to all Football ruin My Life. You know, there must be dozens of listeners who are saying, yeah, you've forgotten about yeah, this family, yes. this well, family. That
0: the, you know what, Paddy? They can all write to Football ruin My Life, all one word, at gmail.com. And tell us
2: mm-hmm. exactly what we missed out. And of course, you could also make out a list like Colin's brother did.
0: <laughs> uh, right, okay, that's never happened before either, John. <laughs> when he mentioned my brother, I thought, you know, we didn't really play much professional football. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and as for Paddy's brother, who started the bank.
0: And as for John's brother, who was a wonderful detective. Go, <laughs>
2: <No>, Sherlock. <laughs>
0: Right, well, I am saying to John and to Paddy, thank you very much indeed. We do absolutely do invite you to let us know your memories of footballing siblings by writing to footballruinmylife at gmail.com. I want to thank also our wonderful producer, Paul Kobrak, who is also doubling as an entire research team because he's given us such marvellous information about Watford that we're all absolutely thrilled to receive. And this is Colin Schindler saying thank you very much for listening. See you all next time on Football Ruin My Life. Well, Paul, what have you got for us this time?
2: Have you recorded it? Yeah, I've recorded it. I've recorded it. Thank you.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.